And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another special edition of the Lace Them Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, the team that I cheer for, have had a really eventful first month and a bit of the campaign, and not always in the best way. Uh, things started off pretty good. They uh, won three straight games at home after uh, a narrow season-opening loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. Everything seemed all fine and dandy, and then uh, the losses started to pile up, and then Shane Pinto got suspended 41 games. And then uh, the Evgeny Dadanov ruling uh, fell on Michael Anlauer's lap, and the new majority owner of the Ottawa Senators uh, faced his first big test as Sens owner. Um, there was also uh, a game against Tampa, which uh, really tested uh, the players' patience. Uh, Brady Kachuk uh, was uh, pretty emotional after that game, uh, and it led to uh, a bit of a debate of sorts uh, that uh, you'll hear later in this special edition of the program about fan ethics and player ethics. Is it okay to boo the fans even if you're right as a player? Or is that just a cardinal sin that you should never boo the fans, period, end of story? Uh, so that will be up uh, on uh, this edition here of the Lace Them Up podcast featuring special guest at NHL.com correspondent Callum Fraser who writes uh, for the Ottawa Senators after every single home game. He writes a column about what he saw and uh, he's always a good read. I'm sure you can follow him on uh, all the social medias, Twitter, X, whatever the heck it's called predominantly. Uh, and a little bit of a backstory of uh, how me and Callum Fraser know each other. First of all, I mentioned earlier in the existence of this podcast that I work at uh, a News Talk radio station, News Talk 580 CFRA in Canada's capital. Uh, Callum Fraser uh, is also a member of the CFRA newsroom, very hard worker, but also knows a heck of a lot about the game of hockey and the Ottawa Senators, uh, to the point where, as I mentioned, he writes for NHL.com. Uh, but before I really got to know him, we knew each other indirectly through the Ultimate Hockey Network. And uh, myself and Brett Duboff, uh, before we started this podcast, we were a part of the Ultimate Hockey Network. It was a website run by hockey historian Liam McGuire. And it was during the Hamburglar run for the Ottawa Senators, the 2014-15 NHL season, where we started uh, doing a Sens prediction panel. It was myself and five other guys filling out our nightly predictions. Uh, Callum, I believe, was the one running the Google Doc for that. And then Brett Duboff, uh, my podcast colleague here at the Lace Em Up podcast, would uh, be the one posting it to the Ultimate Hockey Network just before game time. Uh, so that's how me and Callum knew about each other. I mostly knew about Callum. And then eventually uh, he was working as an intern for the uh, sports station across the hall, TSN 1200, eventually got a news writing gig at News Talk 580 CFRA. And uh, we've been best friends ever since, or at least I think so. Hopefully, hopefully the feeling's mutual. Uh, but in any event, uh, Callum Fraser, welcome to the Lace Em Up podcast, and thanks for lending us your time and your expertise. I really appreciate this. Oh, my pleasure, Steve. It's uh, I can't believe we haven't done this before. This is uh, this is great. A long time coming, but hey, we're doing it now. It's all that matters. Uh, so we'll get to everything else in a second because there is a lot to get to, but I want to have a little debate first. It's about 
uh, fan ethics versus uh, player ethics, if you will. Uh, days after the Evgeny Dadanov scandal came to a halt and the punishment was dealt and Ottawa had to forfeit a first-round pick to the league and changes were made in the front office, the Sens welcomed the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Canadian Tire Centre. And the first 40 minutes were pretty lame for the home team. Ottawa showed some bite in the third period, almost came back. Ultimately, though, they ran out of time and they lost the game 6-4. to And throughout the game, the fans were letting the team have it. Uh, they audibly booed the players off the ice. They were chaining fire DJ during the game, and it was not a fun night at the rink at all. Uh, so why are they so mad? Well, for a bit more context, it was their fifth loss in six games after winning three of their first four games. November is a huge month for the team, and it was a real letdown for them last year. Uh, their schedule gets even tougher in December. Once we get to January, half of Ottawa's home schedule is practically gone by that point. In March, they have five back-to-backs, and in the year 2024, they have 10 back-to-backs. So they need a good start to the season in order to avoid uh, the narrow disappointment, the narrow ending they had to the season last year. Uh, So the media meets with the players after that uh, loss to Tampa, and Brady Kachuk is not happy. It looks like the Sens captain, in fact, is holding back tears as he addresses the media, and he stands up for the guys and his coach. and calls out the booing. He understands why the fans are upset, of course, but he says, when you face adversity, you don't turn back on the players. Do you think Brady Kachuk was out of line in terms of what he said? Were there parts of his messaging that you agree slightly with? Or is it a cardinal sin to call out the fans even a little bit? You know, Steve, I don't think anyone's ever had a problem with Brady Kachuk wearing his heart on his sleeve. Like, the guy is incredibly courageous. He's, in my opinion, like a top five captain in the NHL. Um, And just, like, especially on nights when the team just doesn't have it, he, like, he drags them into competition. So there's there's never been any problem with him being outspoken. Um, Again, like, you know, being being that guy that... that, um, that really like is is a leader on and off the ice. The only problem I have with it is just the fact that he's calling out the fans like that. Like you said, it is a cardinal sin. I thought it was quite childish, actually. Not only what he said, saying that it was bullshit from the fans um, against the Tampa Bay Lightning when they were booed off the ice and that uh, when the fans were calling for DJ's head. Um, but not only that, that he had an opportunity two two days later to apologize um, and he kind of dug his heels in even further. And I thought that was honestly worse because he had so much time to think about it. And he must've had people telling him that, you know, Hey, there's an unwritten contract. Basically they pay you get paid. Okay. That is the deal here. You can stick up for your coach. You can stick up for your teammates, but it cannot come at the expense of the relationship between the players and the coaches and the fans. Because this is not about, like, <laughs> this is not about you versus them. This is all about um, expectations being heightened and the team not meeting those expectations. And I, I, if, I, if I had a conversation with Brady, if I could just, like, level with him here, um, I'd tell him it's a heck of a lot more important that the fan base is pissed off then it would be if they weren't, because that would mean apathy. And that is what uh, we saw from, I would say, the Duchesne trade in 2017, up until maybe even like 
early parts of last year. The fan base was waiting around, tired of the rebuild, and tired of seeing their favorite players being shipped out of town. And now they're excited to see a, a potential playoff push. And, you know, the Senators have tried to keep expectations low, but those are just fibs, right? Like, mm-hmm. this, this, team, this team on paper should be a playoff team, and everyone knows it. So right now the fans are excited and they're clamoring from, for, for some wins here, and you simply are not delivering, therefore they are pissed off. That is, that is completely it. And if you want to have the opportunity, the, the right to complain about your situation, then you need to start winning some games. That's basically it. Yeah, they'll, they'll love you like the New Jersey Devils. They love Lindy Ruff by the end of the year, but they were chanting for his firing like six games into the year. And then they went on a massive winning streak and all was forgiven. And uh, to your point about uh, the Cardinals' sin to boo the fans, uh, remember Patrick Waugh's exit out of Montreal? It wasn't pretty at all. He told the owner, that's my last game in Montreal. But there was uh, a play when he was getting shelled by the Red Wings where he makes a save. It's very casual save. And the fans start cheering, and then he raises his arms like, yeah, I made a save uh, to kind of show up the fans a little bit, or that's what it seemed like. And years later, he was asked about that moment, and he said, out of the string of events that happened from uh, his final days in Montreal, that right there was his only regret, was doing that to the fans. Yeah, um, no, that, that's, a, that's a very good point to bring up. And I, and I want to I mention, uh, actually... Uh, and it, it's not typical of me to say that uh, an Ottawa senator should take a page out of a Toronto Maple Leafs book. <laughs> but if you heard Austin Matthews' comments from a few days ago, um, after uh, I believe it was a come from behind uh, victory against the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, mm-hmm. um, they were down four to one uh, after the first period, and they got booed off the ice. And then yep. Matthews scored a couple of goals. They came back, and during one of his celebrations, he motioned to the crowd, like, get up, you know? And after the game, he was asked about that, and I thought he towed the line perfectly between passionate remarks and also respectful, because what he said was, we got booed off the ice in the first period, and rightfully so. They had a right to do that. We were not playing very well. But also, I didn't want the crowd to go to sleep. So it's a perfect way, like, Brady could have easily said, like, um, anyone that is criticizing DJ right now doesn't really understand what's going on here. He's our coach. And you can say that without saying what happened from the fans was bullshit. You can do that without saying, like what Claude Giroux said, we're tired of the nonsense from the fans. And, and you can just you can back up your team without calling out the people that pay to watch your product. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now, whether people in Ottawa like it or not, the Senators will be leaving for Sweden with a below 500 record. Safe to say, not the start anyone wanted. Uh, Meantime, you look at the Edmonton Oilers, which, hey, if you think Ottawa's had it rough, uh, some have picked the Oilers to win it all this year uh, in their way too early uh, season predictions, um, in their way too early bets. They just lost to the worst team in the National Hockey League, the San Jose Sharks. Two wins in their first 12 games. McDavid and Dreisaitl just entering the prime of their careers, and they don't have a lot of long-term cap space to build on, and I would argue Ottawa's long-term future is a bit better than Edmonton's because Edmonton's going to have to pay McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, in a couple of years. By September 2026, both of those players, at least by them, will have new contracts, and they'll definitely be pricier than the ones that they have now. And Ottawa's biggest worry in between all of that is 
Jacob Chikrin uh, potentially entering the UFA market in 2025. So long-term, I think Ottawa has it pretty good. How would you evaluate the overall importance of this campaign if you're a Sens fan, and how much does it matter in terms of how the Sens perform? Because sure, they have a lot riding on this season, but I like I said, their best years are still ahead of them. It's not just like this year or bust and it's all over. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's it's quite important, one, because they want to keep their coach around, right? Like, if, mm-hmm. if, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think that G.J. Smith is gone. Yeah. And the way that Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson and Josh Norris talk about D.J. Smith, they really do, like, have uh, respect and reverence for him, and especially because, you know, he helped them develop, right? But, but here, here's the thing. Like, last year, honestly, I thought that they should have been a playoff team and that the fans and media – uh, should have demanded a lot more from the Ottawa Senators. I thought they were ready to make that next step. But this year, there are just no excuses whatsoever. I mean, yeah. the core is, and I mean, you know, Steve, you mentioned like McDavid and Dreisaitl are like just kind of getting into their, their primes. And like, I, I agree that they are in their primes, but I think they were in their primes a while ago, <laughs> right? Like, like the youth, the youth these days, like you hit your prime around like 21, 22 years old. And if you look at the ages of all, all the Ottawa Senators players right now, like Tim Stutzla and Jake Sanderson are kind of the only prospect, uh, you know, young players on the team that haven't fully, fully hit their stride. And they're probably the two best players on the team <laughs> along with Brady Kachuk. So, so right. So all I'm trying to say is like, what I, I don't expect there to be like a ton more, improvement and development from a team that right now I think has just hit their stride has just hit the point in the development where like everyone is in their prime so right now you have to show me that you can actually work as a team and uh, work within structure that you have hopefully been trying to perfect over the last few seasons of of losing hockey and a lot of that right now, like we're seeing a lot of great, you know, individual performances. Like Brady has four multi-goal games this year. You know, Timmy's uh, well above a point per game. Uh, Jake Sanderson, like if this team was winning, I think would be like a Norris candidate. Like he looks unbelievable. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, like the downfall is that the team is just not cohesive right now. There's a reason why DJ Smith is tinkering with his lines constantly. Um, there's a reason why this team like constantly has defensive errors and they can't like get things together in their own zone. Um, of course, like goaltending has been a, a, a bit of a problem as well, but I think like overall there's just been too many long stretches during games in which they don't look like they're a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is cause for serious concern. Now they have a, a ton of injuries right now, but not exactly to, their star players like Thomas Shabbat is out, but the the injuries were basically to your depth. You still have guys like Claude Giroux, Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, Vladimir Tarasenko. Like they haven't missed any games this year, right? So um, yeah, I mean it's a very very important campaign, and uh, they really really need to turn things around if um, if fans can be really excited for what is supposed to be like the prime years of this foundational core. And the leadership of Brady Kachuk is going to be pivotal, getting things back on track. Also, guys like Claude Drew and Travis Hamnick there to help him out as well. Um, and you bring up a, a great point in terms of the cohesiveness of this team. Like, between 20 or so teams, very little is separating everyone from the pack. And the teams who are going to make the playoffs, 
are going to win more of those one-goal games. And Ottawa has been in a lot of them. They need to win more of them. They need to start on time. They need to manage momentum better so that a 10-minute lapse doesn't cost them two points, as you're mentioning. Um, Now, uh, shifting to off-ice stuff, as we all know, uh, Shane Pinto's been suspended 41 games for alleged gambling-related activities. Uh, And then just when you thought uh, that was over, on the first day of November, uh, the biggest bombshell dropped, which was uh, the Evgeny Dadanov investigation uh, by the league. The NHL ruled in a 73-page report that the Ottawa Senators were negligent in its disclosure of contract information when they dealt Evgeny Dadanov to the Vegas Golden Knights in the summer of 2021. At the 2022 trade deadline, hours left of it, they tried to move... Uh, Dadanov, Vegas tried to move him to the Anaheim Ducks. Turns out he had a 10-team no-trade list that caught Vegas off guard, uh, but uh, Ottawa didn't relay the proper info behind that uh, no-trade clause to Vegas properly. Uh, The NHL ended up uh, nixing that deal as uh, Anaheim was on that no-trade list, and um, Vegas ends up missing the playoffs by a couple of points. If they make the playoffs and they're able to conclude their trade deadline business dealings, who knows what happens. Now, obviously, Vegas wins the Cup, but they wanted to relentlessly protect their reputation, and this ruling, um, in their eyes, has kind of vindicated them. So Ottawa ends up losing a first-round draft pick in either 2024, 2025, or 2026, and hours after that punishment is made official, sends management calls a press conference. Nobody is listed on the attendance sheet, and we eventually find out why, GM Pierre Dorian, after eight seasons as GM, and uh, several more as uh, a scout, assistant GM, and other roles, is out the door. And most of Pierre Dorian's time as Sens GM, granted, was filled with challenges. A lot of tough decisions. Fan base was grilling him for it. And when you live in the local community for as long as Pierre Dorian has, he's a native of Orleans, for crying out loud. You can't really hide anywhere. Um... He had to take a lot of crap from Sens fans, but the Eric Carlson trade ended up getting a lot more value than uh, it was originally perceived to have given the Sens. Uh, he started to shape the Sens' cornerstone pieces as we see them today, and right now uh, they have a pretty darn good team in front of them, and the fans should be very happy about that. Uh, when you consider this black eye with everything else and the free agency gambles and uh, a couple of trades, notably Mika Zibanejad, that haven't aged well. Overall, how would you grade Pierre Dorian's time at Sense GM, and how do you think the fans are going to remember him? Well, I think on the positive side of things, the reason why, you know, Pierre Dorian, I think, doesn't have a total, you know, negative legacy is because he was such a good scout and that helped the senators make a lot of really important decisions and uh, quality decisions um especially like in in first rounds um i mean they got the two top players um in the draft in which they selected tim stutzla and jake sanderson like if we redrafted right now they'd probably go one and two and i'm actually not sure which player would go first <laughs> um so i mean he he has he has built this core, right? Like he has not only drafted all of these players and also trade because, you know, Josh Norris and Tim Stutzler were basically um, part of, of trades. Um, he's not only done that, but he's, he's also signed these players. And, and there's a couple of contracts that might not look too good in a few years, you know, 
uh, like Josh Norris is struggling a little bit here, and he's been injured quite a bit too. But like a guy like Brady Kachuk, signing him for around eight million for eight years is is brilliant. Um, Tim Stutzla's contract is going to look incredible. Jake Sanderson's contract is going to look great. You know, they got Thomas Shabbat signed early and for for a, a long term. That was fantastic as well. Um, so he he deserves so much credit for building this team. Having said that, though, there was the pro scouting side of things was was lacking significantly, and and that you know you mentioned the uh, uh, Mika Zibanejad trade. Um, I I mean we could mention a lot of trades to be completely honest. Um, and then there's also obviously you know there's some, also some, Matt Murray and Mike Condon getting a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of um, bad decisions with goaltending. I think this, um, you know, mm-hmm. Eunice Corpusal is playing all right right now, but I think that will actually be a contract that comes back to uh, bite the Ottawa Senators. There was just too much uh, length, too much term there, way too much term there. So I, I think that the the pro scouting side of things will always be his downfall when we talk about legacy. Um, and on the other side also, I mean, you know, Public relations is very important when you are basically what he was, and not just the general manager. Like, let's be honest, he was essentially the head of of um, all hockey operations for the Ottawa Senators because the. I mean, I think it's like for the first time in the team's history they have an actual president of hockey operations and Steve Stamos. So Pierre Dorian ran the whole show for about seven and a half, eight years, and um, messaging is very important during that time. And I understand his first language is French, but he also speaks very, very good English. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not make that excuse for him. And days like the Mark Stone trade in which, you know, it was kind of like the end of just like a really, really difficult time for Sens fans and uh, what would kick off uh, uh, some very difficult years during a, a very long rebuild. He essentially said that it was, you know, the most proud day of his um, his general manager, you know, uh, tenure when he uh, got Eric Brandstrom in that trade for Mark Stone, who obviously is has gone on to do incredible things and would have done incredible things in Ottawa and did not want to leave. So there's there's been a lot of I think difficulty for him to accept fault in that position, and like I said, like he he did a lot of great things and. The fan base has a lot to thank Pierre for, for this, this incredible core and this exciting hockey team that, you know, still has some faults and needs to turn it around here. But, like, we have to be honest with his legacy. There were quite a few bad moves. He did not live up to expectations. And also, I think he rubbed the fan base the wrong way way too many times with, uh, with what he said in the media. Well, so far, I don't think Michael Anlauer has rubbed the fan base the wrong way, and I hope that continues as uh, the new majority owner of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he, in my opinion, hit all the right notes during his introductory message in September. Um, and then, of course, he faces his first big test with uh, the Dadanov ruling there. Um, and that was within a 10-day stretch where the team was winning and everything was fine to oh, yeah, Shane Pinto got suspended, and also this, and you have to fork over a first-round pick. Uh, so he he dealt with a lot over a two-week period. Overall, what have your been initial impressions been of Michael Anlauer so far? And uh, is there anything in particular with uh, what he said uh, during that November 1st press conference when all those changes were happening that uh, really stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been refreshing. I think that, um, I think he's, I think he's going to be a good owner for this team, but I think that the stark contrast between him and uh, Eugene Melnick 
has been the thing that has stuck out the most to fans. I mean, he's just he just comes across as like honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one of the things too that I think people are are fixating on is how he seems to want to work with other people. I mean, one of the biggest problems with with Melnick was like all the lawsuits during the uh, LeBreton stuff and how it was difficult for him to work with the city and work with developers and he had to do it his way. And Ann Lauer has said, you know, I'm coming into this. I And, and, and he is he is no stranger to owning a, a hockey team, of course. Like he has, uh, he had a, a lot of experience with the Montreal Canadiens, but he also owned multiple franchises um, in Hamilton. So yeah, it's not an NHL club, but he has experience in all of this. He's not exactly new um, to it. And what he is bringing to the table is a lot of, um, I, I believe consultation, a lot of listening, a lot of um, just just working well with others. And and when you have a, a problem like the Ottawa Senators do with the um, an aging rink and also wanting to move it downtown, and you know we live in, in a, a federal government town, and we it, it, there's a lot of things to move around. The NCC can be finicky as well. And I think that. To have this work out, you need someone like Ann Lauer who will work with people. And so far, so good. I mean, you know, let's let's see actions after we've heard a lot of words. But so far, I think that he is willing to, you know, be cooperative and also um, stick up for the fans and, and listen to them as well. And and you talk about that press conference with regards to um, the team, you know, losing that first round draft pick. And I, I think that. Whereas we didn't get a lot of information from the league on that, um, and it, it, it was kind of like a back-to-back scenario where they didn't say much about the Pinto situation, and they also didn't say much about the investigation into the Ottawa Senators and Vegas Golden Knights, that, that trade that obviously ended up losing the Sens um, draft pick. And we didn't, the, the league was very hush-hush on that. And then you know, compare that to how Ann Lauer spoke during that press conference, he was very open and honest. And, you know, he, he exclaimed that he was kind of frustrated with how the whole process happened. And, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't enough transparency. And I think that's just refreshing because I think Sens fans, like they want a competent owner, but they also want an owner that will stick up for them. And I think Ann Lowry is exactly that. Mm-hmm. And the part where he says he's willing to learn, like, man, every fan wants to hear that. Like, like you're the owner of a hockey team, you have a bunch of money, you probably have everything in the world you could ever dream of. And to to have those humble roots, those humble beginnings to have a property here in Ottawa to be so enthused about something like Michael Anlauer is about owning this team is definitely a breath of fresh air. I know we're running out of time, so one real last quick question. Yep. Um I said at the beginning of the year that Jacob Chikrin is the X-Factor of the Ottawa Senators in terms of how good they can be, and hopefully he keeps this up, but he's off to a wicked hot start offensively. Uh, I spoke with Ian Mendez a couple weeks ago. He says goaltending is ultimately the thing that's going to make or break this team. Uh, What is your X-Factor for the Ottawa Senators? So One player that you're paying close attention to from opening night to the end of the year. Great question. Um... Yeah, that's that's difficult. I mean, I I hate to take a uh, take someone else's answer here, but I I think that Ian might be right. I think it is. I think it is Eunice Corpusallo. Um, because I mean, 
I just there's so many players in this team that you know what you're going to get from them. You know, like Brady Kachuk. I don't. I genuinely don't know if I've ever witnessed a bad game from him. Jake Sanderson, like I, he hasn't played a bad game this year. You know, Tim Stutzla is just is, a, is you're going to get him. You know, being electric like almost every single night. But uh, Eunice Corpusallo is is the guy that they're going to ride for quite some time, and DJ has been putting a lot of faith in him, a lot of faith in him this season because he's had a couple of ups and downs, and he's uh, he's rode with his, his number one. So I think that it that's I think the answer would be Eunice Corpusallo if if he can you know ride a, a streak recently of a few good games in a row, um, and you know maybe mix in a couple of shutouts. We don't experience those very often here in Ottawa, um, but if he can really really you know solidify, you know, this, this, this team's goaltending and, you know, prove that he is a number one goaltender, you know, maybe have something around a 917, 918, 920, something like that. Then this, that does wonders to a team that makes way too many defensive errors. So I, I definitely go with, uh, with their perceived number one goaltender. Yeah. And with Anton Forsberg struggling as of late, they're going to need to ride somebody to get wins. And for the moment, it looks to be Corpus Salo. Uh, before we go, Callum, where can people uh, find your work online about all things Ottawa Senators? NHL.com, baby. The site. The league. Yeah, it's not very hard. If you just uh, if you want to you know, see a recap or some breaking news and stuff, just go to the site that has all the information. Callum, wish we had more time. We'll have to end the conversation there, but love to have you on the show anytime. This was a great conversation. Thanks so much uh, for lending your time and expertise. We really appreciate it. Of course, yeah. Thanks a lot for this, Steve. That about does it for this special edition of the Lace Mop Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Talk again soon.